Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. This morning, uh, I've been thinking uh, about how I wanted to start this sermon off, and I, and I just keep on thinking about what happens when your plans don't make it the way that you want them to? Where do you kind of, what's your main response when things don't go well? And then after looking at this story a, a little bit more and kind of coming back to, to Acts, there are some things that just kind of pop out to me as like, why are you surprised by this? And then I thought about this guy um, when we were in the old sanctuary years and years ago, uh, when we were uh, a little bit smaller, we would pass the mic around and we would, Jay would say, hey, does anybody have any just praise items about how they see that God works in their life? And over and over again, there was this guy who would get the microphone and he would say the exact same story every time. But I'm telling you, as we were up on the balcony, all of the teenagers, and me included, would go, what happened next? You see, there's this guy by the name of Arnold Weens. And uh, if you don't know who Arnold Weens was, he was an amazing guy who wanted the whole world to know about who Jesus was. In fact, actually, he was so bold in his faith that he one time uh, bought a scooter, not a motorized scooter, a razor scooter, so that he could go from Valley View and ride around town and tell people about Jesus. He would have the church buy tracks so he could do this. And we eventually called Richard and said, hey, uh, your dad just bought a scooter. And Richard goes, oh, no. And he goes and, you know, gets the scooter. But this is the story he told. Man, we were driving home one day from wherever they were. We were driving home and our vehicle broke down. And don't you know, it was so cold. And we, didn't, we weren't sure what was going to happen because we didn't have a phone. And people were just going to leave us stranded. So we prayed. And do you know what happened next? And all of us would go, what happened next? Right? And he said, he said the next car that came along was the, uh, was the mechanic, the school mechanic uh, from Nashua. And he came and he fixed us right on up and we got home. Isn't God good? Two months later, Arnold gets the microphone. Man, we were on our way home. Don't remember where he was coming from, and man, our car broke down. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't have a phone. And do you know what happened next? And I'm serious, all of us would say, what happened next? We wouldn't go, oh my goodness, we've heard this story a thousand times. I didn't ask Richard if I could share this story, or Mary, if I could share this story, but one of the things that I'm amazed about that is that when you have somebody who knows the power of God, you have no worry. And you want to be the complete witness to that power over and over again, even if it just happened one time, or even if that's the only story that you can remember. 
And I think that's where Acts starts us with. That at the very beginning of Acts, we see 11 disciples who are asking, do you know what happened next? Let us tell you what's happening next. And so I'm excited to jump into Acts with you guys. And we're going to be in Acts for a very long time. Just so that you're aware, if you want to read Acts with us, um, you certainly may. You can go forward. You can read Acts in one week and then start the next week. But uh, I imagine us being in Acts for almost the rest of the year. Um, There might be some sermons that we put in there um, that aren't on Acts this year as we kind of are looking at what's going on. But as I've been reading through Acts, that's that's pretty much where we're going to be. And so if you want to read with us or if you come up with something that you're just like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. I want to share this with you about my reading with Acts or my studying Acts. Please come and uh, share those with me and say, hey, this is what I'm reading. But we can't quite get into Acts until we know a little bit about the author and a little bit about what happened before that. And so um, Acts is written by, and so if you um, are taking notes and you have this setup of Acts there, um, you guys can write a couple different things. Acts is written by a guy by the name of Luke, right? And Luke is a, uh, a physician. And at that time, uh, what kind of stands out the most about uh, Luke's life is that he is incredibly detail-oriented. He doesn't leave much details out of his stories. If you know somebody who is long-winded, right, when they tell their stories, they don't want you to have uh, to, to guess about anything. And by the time they're finally done talking, you know everything. This is Luke, right? Maybe annoying, but they've got everything down pat. Right? I'm more of a Mark guy. This is what Jesus did. This is where he's going and keep going. Right? But this is Luke. Luke doesn't leave a stone unturned. He goes and he interviews as many people as he can. And so Luke also, by the way, wrote the gospel of Luke. And this is how he ends his kind of last chapter of Luke, he goes in and he does a quick job of the resurrection and how many people Jesus um, met with and all of this stuff. And this is, I, I, I want you to kind of grasp all these things. He ends his last chapter of the book of Luke with the resurrection and the ladies going to the tomb. And then he leaves it in Luke 24, 5. He says, these men ask these ladies, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you? Didn't you remember this? And then he goes on to another story with these two guys walking the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking, all of a sudden, Jesus appears to these two guys. They don't know it's Jesus. They have no clue. And Jesus is just telling them about what happened, what's going on. And so they tell this story and Jesus goes to dinner with them. That ends up going to dinner with them one night. And Jesus broke the bread and shared it with them and prayed with them. And as soon as he does that, their eyes are opened. They know it's Jesus. And guess what happens? Jesus disappears It's not like he walks out, right? No, he just vanishes, okay? 
Luke is a guy who knows so much detail that he's not just going to say, he, if Jesus just walked out, he would say, hey, Jesus just walked out. And then Jesus appears to the 12 disciples, the 11 disciples, sorry. And as he's speaking with them, and as they're breaking bread, Jesus is just suddenly standing there in front of them. Another gospel says that Jesus just walked through the walls and he was there. And Jesus mixes and talks about some words with them and he says, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember all these things that I've shared with you and talked to you about? This is really going to happen. I feel like sometimes if Arnold Weens was here, he would say, you've heard this story before. Why are you guys so amazed? Because it's so great of a story. But remember? And then we get at the very end, uh, the, uh, the very end of Luke 24, where Jesus takes them and he ascends. But that is a really quick, hey, this is what happens. Jesus ascends into heaven. And then... We start up right away in Acts chapter 1. And so if you'll read this with me, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 together. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is what it says. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he, empowered, he, the gift he promised. As I told you before, remember? John's, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout Judea in Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they, called no longer, they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. It's one of my favorite verses in this whole thing. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Would you pray with me? God, as we dive into these 11 verses, Would you pour into our hearts? Would you let us see something that we haven't seen before? And would you change the trajectory of where we're going? 
God, we don't want to forget what you have done. We want to be people who can look back and go, can you imagine how God can, can continually take care of us? Lord, we, we want it to be a perpetual remembering. So God, my words today seem incredibly inadequate. But yours are more than enough. So God, would we seek your heart. In your name we pray, amen. As we dive into these section of scriptures, I, I'm going to take them a little bit piece by piece and kind of tell where we're heading. But uh, I, I want to really have us focus on the verse that I think is the main verse for the whole entire book of Acts. And that is Acts 1.8. And so this is what it says right here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Leave that up there for a second. I, I love how the author starts this verse with a but. Because there's obviously something in there that they're trying to figure out and what's going on. And he says, wait a second. But this is really what you need to be doing. Everything before that is, is what their plans are and what they think their plans should be. But wouldn't you know Jesus did this? What did Jesus do, Arnold? Throughout the rest of Scripture, uh, throughout the rest of Acts, we, we see this played out. Chapters 1 through 7 is, is how the church is being set up in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 11 is how the church is being set up in all Judea and Samaria. And chapters 12 through 28 are all about how the Scripture, or how the gospel continues to the ends of the earth. Luke is setting up for us this very thing. That when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses to the outer ends of the earth. See, our plan isn't to build a, a better community, right? It is not to make Jerusalem so much bigger that everybody has to come to it. But it is that we become the witnesses to what's going on and what's happening. Brian talked a little bit about this last week, about the idea that God is sending us as missionaries. And the church is the vacation or the Sabbath from the sixth day of missionary work. All week long, you guys have been witnesses this whole entire week. Have you been, have you had the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk way more about that next week than this week. But I'm just curious, have you felt the Holy Spirit going, you're my witness, or have we just been going on with life this week? 
You see, as witnesses, we have a message of the church that we carry on. In this whole entire section of scripture before verse 8, it says in verse 6 that the apostles are asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They have a completely different view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They just assume that Jesus is going to do everything for them and they are going to reap all the benefits. And Jesus says, that, that, that might not be the way. Actually, it's not the way. Because it's not for me to tell and instead you are going to be my witnesses. I mean, if you want to have a little bit more um, insight into that, read verses three, verse 315, 1039, and 22:15 of Acts that just say, hey, keep going. Be my witnesses. But before we can be witnesses, we've got to go back into what Jesus said in verses, in verses 4 through 5. And this is what he says. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I feel I really need to unpack that a little bit for you because we would love to say, hey, we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we do baptism at our church with dunking in water with a tank right here. The whole entire point of John the Baptist baptizing before Jesus came onto the scene was incredibly to get people to repent from their sins. Repent. Would you realize that you have gone completely away from God and that you need to tell him that you don't match up to what God is calling? That you are a sinful person, that we are sinful people. That was John the Baptist's whole entire message to people. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That one day somebody is going to come that is going to baptize you in something way more powerful than this. But this is the first step. You have to cleanse yourselves from understanding that we are so far away from God that we need him to act on our behalf. In terms of setting up the church, this is the one thing that Jesus does for us, and we really, by the Holy Spirit, do everything else. Jesus comes and, and says, I, you're forgiven. I will forgive you. And so when John the Baptist baptizes, it is a symbol of us saying, we don't want to live our sinful lives anymore. And when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, it is being, empower, being empowered to do the things that God has called us to do. I think we've gotten it a little bit messed up in, in, in looking at this scripture. Man, I, I, I'm just like the disciples. In my world, it might be a little bit like, hey, God, why don't, you, why don't you just open up the floodgates and why do we not have just thousands of people coming to church? 
God, why can't you just open up the floodgates a little bit more so I can have more money in my bank account to do what you're calling me to do? And I disguise it in terms of think about all the things I could do for you, God. And he sits there and he goes, no, but wait a second. I'm calling you to be my witness first and everything else will fall into place. So the first thing I need to ask myself is, God, have I repented? Do I truly hate my sin? And do I want your way more than anything else? Because if we don't, then the rest of this doesn't matter. If we don't want God's way than anything else, the rest of the book doesn't matter. And this is what's scary because as soon as we say yes to God, we instantly are opening our lives to having things change drastically. We may end up leaving the job that we've had for a really long time. We may end up moving. We may end up being ridiculed. We may end up looking like a fool. And as I say all of those things, I also remember that those are all things based on not having the power of the Holy Spirit with us. Like, do you get the need for this? For the need for us to desire so much that we are in and with God all the time. And this is, this is what Jesus is telling them to do. Don't go anywhere else. Don't go anywhere else until you get this. Until you receive this gift. Because once you do, you are going to be unstoppable. We have relegated the message of the church to kind of maybe one area. And if you're taking notes, this is what I have down on here, this um, logos. Which literally just means word. Which literally just means word. And what I mean by that is this, is that we've relegated our, maybe uh, our relationship with Christ to understand that uh, Jesus loves me. He died for my sins, and now I can believe in Jesus, and then yet we don't change anything about us. The whole entire world knows this, knows about Jesus. In fact, actually, your greatest enemy knows Jesus and absolutely believes the word. Your greatest enemy, Satan, believes Jesus, believes Jesus existed, died on the cross, rose again. Absolutely believes that. He just doesn't want to repent from the things he's done. The problem is, is that this witness is more than just words, but we've left it to that, haven't we? We say things like, ah, man, you know what you need? You need Jesus. Just Pray this prayer and everything will be just fine. And yet we don't change into the next section, which is the message of the church, which, by the way, 
That is the message, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, that, Jesus, that God has set him up on the throne in heaven, and that he reigns. That is the message, and it is the most beautiful message. It is a gospel message, but it cannot be just that, because it has to change our hearts, which means that it has to move into our ethos, it has to move into who we are. Ethos is simply this. Is that it is our soul-searching honesty about who we are. It requires the message or the logos to go into our hearts and into our life and go, who are we on the deep inside? Do we look deep inside of ourselves and see how we live? Do we allow the Bible to change us? Do we read the scripture and go, all right, what's, what needs to be different about my life? Today, there was a person in my office in the uh, membership class that they just said, I love reading the scripture because I look at it and I go, I'm not like that right now. I want to change. I want to be different. We might know the word, but then when we go to the next part of actually looking inside of ourselves, it, it brings us to repentance. It changes the whole entire way we live. In fact, it goes simply from just words to actions famous guy once said it, and I don't know who said it, but they, but they said this. It says, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. The message of the church and being witnesses is not only just having words to be able to say this is the gospel, but it's also the constant living in our lives of going, no, I, I have to live this out. There's this famous uh, preacher by the name of George Whitfield, and if you don't know anything about George Whitfield, I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of section. I'll print off this, uh, this book, but man, this, this guy was phenomenal, right? I, I think they said in 15 years, uh, he preached every, he maybe only took um, like a month a year that he wasn't preaching, that he was doing studying, but most of that was travel time and different things like that, but um, there was a guy who was a complete and total atheist, did not agree with Jesus, and uh, George Whitfield was in his town. His name is David Hume, and um, as he was going to listen to George Whitfield preach, a guy came up to David and said, you don't believe in any of this stuff. Why would you even go to this? And David Hume's response was, I don't believe in it, but that guy sure does. There are people that we are witnessing to all the time. And do we only just desire the quick words that we can get to build us up, or do we desire the life that says, no, man, whether we live, whether we're healthy, whether we're sick, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we get honor, whether we are made fun of, 
our, disease, our deepest desire is to always please God. And ask the question over again, what does he want? And then the last one is the message that comes from us is our pathos, which is, is it your passion? Not just passionate words, but is our passion to continue to do all things and go, no. Paul says it. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Man, everything about me is going to be about Christ. And this is where it starts. Right here is by understanding that Jesus Christ is calling us to be witnesses for his kingdom. And he's basically telling his people in this very thing that if the Christian faith is worth believing in, man, it's worth believing in is wholeheartedly and go after it. Might even say heroically. But the thing I love about this is we can stir up these emotions about the word and knowing the gospel and about looking inside of ourselves and having passion. But we'd be missing everything if we don't wait the next few days. And we find out later on what happens in the Pentecost. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But there's something amazing about the disciples going in and shutting themselves off for the next 10 days. And learning what it means to go forth as witnesses to build God's church. And so if you're still taking notes with me, in order to go forth with, with the witness, we must understand this, is that Jesus is calling us and so to go into the world and be witnesses. So we must infuse people into the world. People who desire the message of Jesus Christ, the logos, the ethos, the pathos, to go and be the witnesses that's what's going to happen. We as people are going to do that. But the second thing, and we cannot miss it, is we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. After the Passover, Jesus for 40 days was with the disciples telling them all about Scripture and reminding them and, and telling them, do you remember all of these things? And so he was going through all of Scripture, the Old Testament, and even some of the, uh, some of the Gospels that he had <laughs> reminded them, this is what I was teaching you, this is what I was going. He was pointing to, hey, this in the Scripture is going here and this is why this is happening. And they are completely uh, knowledge-filled and understanding and then after all of those 40 days, when he ascends into heaven, he tells them, no, would you guys just wait? Would you go and wait for the next 10 days? And would you receive the Holy Spirit? I'm going to geek out on you a little bit as we end this um, section of Scripture because, of course, you're done with your notes, but 
I want to give you a little bit of, of insight about this ascension. And I told you that as we were reading um, that this is probably one of my new favorite um, pieces of scripture. And it starts in verse 9 and it says, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. And two white men robed suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee said, why are you standing here and staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. After being with them for 40 days, the last thing he says to them is, would you please go back? And before you go out and introduce them, would you just wait? Would you just wait for the Holy Spirit? We find out later that um, what, what really is going on, and I'll, and I'll dive into this a little bit more, but 10 days after Jesus ascended, he was with them for 40. 10 days later would have been 50 days after the Passover. And 50 days after the Passover is the festival. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to mess this up. The, fe the Feast of Weeks. And what happens is, is people from all over come to Jerusalem and they give their first fruits and their tithes to God and they say, we want to give you our tithe and our offerings, the first fruits, the best of everything. And do you know what happens that day? God gives the best fruit to us by giving us his Holy Spirit. On 50 days after Jesus is risen from the grave, we receive the Holy Spirit. God is always going first in every single picture of all of this is that God gives us the Holy Spirit to continue to do the things that he's calling us to do, to be the witnesses. And as we give the first fruit of ourselves, we see the amazement that we need Jesus Christ to leave in fact, actually, the reason why I love this piece of scripture, first of all, is, is this, is that as they were kind of at the, um, at the Mount of Olives, this is where this is taking place, where the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way, is at the bottom of uh, the Mount of Olives, where Jesus prayed all night long uh, before he uh, entered into um, getting killed. But it was said that this in, uh, in Zechariah, uh, 14 4 that uh, that the mountain of Mount Olive would just split open for the next king that it would not be impossible for the next king to walk up this mountain and uh, and be set up as the king then there's this picture we have of Jesus standing there and telling them that he is leaving but wait a second and a cloud comes down and covers Jesus in fact, actually, you've heard me talk about this cloud before. It's called the Shekinah cloud. And this is the exact same cloud that would have been, would have been leading Israel by day and by night as Moses was leading them all throughout the desert. And if you want to see something even more amazing, that this is God himself coming down and picking up his son and taking him to glory. And they are just standing there. <laughs> 
And I love this picture of the ladies at the grave and the angel goes, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Do you not remember what he's told you? Then it comes to these disciples staring up at this cloud. And these two men in robes come up and, he sa- and they say, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here? Staring into heaven. Jesus has been taken, but he's already told you what's going to happen. Do you remember? Do you remember that God always takes care of his people? Do you remember that he says, go and wait for the promised gift that you're going to receive? And the only response I think I have is, I've already forgotten. Sorry. I've already forgotten. My sin is just getting in the way of remembering all that you have taught me. And I keep looking for Jesus to miraculously come back and do something. And he said, I have told you what to do. Would you go and would you just pray and receive? We'll later on go that there's more than just the 11 disciples in the room. There's more like 120 people in the room asking to receive power from the Holy Spirit. I remember all the time that God wants me to be a witness for him. I just don't always remember how to. If we are going to be a people who are God's witnesses everywhere we go, I don't want to do it without the Holy Spirit. I want to do it so filled with the Holy Spirit that when I break down and I have no cell phone service and and I don't know what's going to happen, I don't freak out and try to climb the next mountain to receive service or anything like that. I just want to be able to say, God, where I'm at right now is exactly where you want me to be because something amazing is going to happen. Your Holy Spirit is going to (laughs) calm my heart and I will know that it's going to be fine. God, I'm waiting for a miracle. And as we do, I think that we are going to be completely changed people because his witness and his kingdom are far more important than my own. And when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, when I'm guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, man, I, I don't, I know that God takes care of us. I have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about. That's huge because I am always afraid of what people think of me. I don't want to just be standing around at the, at the end time when Jesus comes back. He's going to come back the same way. I don't want to be standing there looking up and going, well, have you just stood here looking for me the whole entire time? Or is it going to be, man, I knew you'd be out there being my witness. Thanks.
I don't know, that's just my own picture. And so as we get to look at the Holy Spirit coming on people and how God is moving people and directing people, what does this mean for, for us is this, is that, man, as God is giving his first fruits to me and through the Holy Spirit, I want to be diligent to go, I'm, I'm going to look for it. I'm not just going to sit here and feel like maybe I have it or not. But first, this last song that we are singing this morning is called Rescue. It's about God coming to our rescue. And I'm going to ask the uh, worship band to come up. And this is where we get to do a little bit of work. Because have we asked for repentance? Have we told God that I am sorry for going against your ways? And God, would you bring me to a point of where I can remember what you've done, done and look forward to being your witness. Not only just simply in words, but in my inner being, God, do I desire you more than anything? And if you do, maybe ask God for the passion to be his witness, no matter what happens. Let's sing this song together and Brian will close. Hello. I'm Mary Stubbleton. I'm Arnold Weems' daughter. I just felt really prompted to tell you a traveler story. Um, uh, I guess it's uh, like daughter, like father. But I, I had some miraculous experiences this last week, actually two weeks. I travel for a living, so I'm on the road a lot. I'm in the air a lot. But um, a couple weeks ago, I was driving to Bozeman and ended up in a whiteout situation. Um, complete whiteout situation and ended up actually going off the road and um, and I uh, was in the ditch in a complete whiteout situation and had uh, some people assist me and I got out of the ditch within a half an hour with absolutely no damage to my car so that's a prerequisite to what happened to me on Monday morning of this week um, I was in uh, flew into Syracuse, New York, the last flight we got in because they were shut, they shut the airport down because of high winds and a snowstorm. Uh, this time, I'm driving on a freeway in Syracuse, New York at 1.30 in the morning trying to get, get to my uh, hotel, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm in a complete whiteout situation again. This time, I'm on, a, I'm on an elevated freeway, and I can see absolutely nothing, and I just stopped my car in the middle of the freeway, and I prayed, Lord, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't see anything. And all of a sudden, I look up, and I'm not kidding, within seconds, I, I look in my rearview mirror, and I see the entire freeway lit up with three snow plows coming behind me. And I, I eased my car to the side. I couldn't even see. I hadn't even able to see the railing on the freeway prior to that, and I eased my car to the side of the road. And these three snowplows took me off the cloverleaf. So I got, off the, I got off the freeway safely. But as I was doing that, literally the verse came to my, uh, my mind, angels of the Lord encamp around those who serve him. Well, uh, that was the preliminaries to my week of a, a tremendously difficult week um, uh, as my, my job is a difficult job. But I, uh, what I wanted to share with you more than anything is, is that I had... Um, 
When I, when I got back to the airport uh, at the end of my week, I had a situation where I had an opportunity to share the Lord with the Hertz rent-a-car, uh, with the Hertz rent-a-car uh, person. And I just, I just, I just am amazed that the Lord puts me in opportunities to reach out to people in the most unlikely ways and situations. Um, and it, and just um, the fact that he protects me in my travels. Um, my goal is to be like my father, that when, as I get towards the end of my life, whether it's next week or 20 years from now, that what I do is I continue to share God's faithfulness stories and that, um, that I share one by one to the people that I encounter that Jesus saves. Thank you for sharing. Uh, it's going to go perfectly with the picture. Um, this is a definition on Google of witness. Give or serve as that's evidence of, to testify to. And then it goes into synonyms. And this is where I get the best definitions of words, is in the synonyms, trying to figure out kind of how to relate it. Attest to, be evidence of, proof of, testify to, bear witness to, confirm, evidence, prove, verify, corroborate, substantiate, bear out, show, demonstrate, establish, be a monument to, indicate, reveal, bespeak, witness. You will be my witness. And so the question today is, will you be his witness? Let's pray. Lord, testimony can look like how we came to you the first time. It can look how, how we ignored you before we submitted. Testimony can look like mechanics on the side of the road, snow plows behind us, geese in the air. The right person at the right time. Lord, testimony is you working in our lives and our way to share that. Lord, may we be your witnesses. Lord, give us the power. Let us submit. Let us not try to do these little teeny actions to try to form our own way, but Lord, may we follow you. You go before us, you give us the power, we just need to move out of the way. Lord, help us witness. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.